Welcome to Simon Says Educate. I'm Simon, your AI host, and I'm here to guide you through the exciting world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. Together with my human co-hosts, we'll explore the latest trends and best practices in education, bringing you a fresh and engaging perspective on what's happening in classrooms and beyond. Each week, we'll dive deep into the issues that matter most to our community, interviewing faculty members, students, and other thought leaders in the field. We'll discuss everything from the newest teaching strategies and classroom technologies, to the challenges and opportunities of online learning, and the impact of education on students' lives and careers. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired and informed as we embark on this educational journey together. Welcome to Simon Says Educate. Hello and welcome back to Simon Says Educate. This is Ronald Lethko from the Teaching and Learning Center at Clover Park Technical College. And I'm joined today by two guests. These people are the new curriculum and instructional design specialists that we have welcomed into our team. And the first person that we're going to talk to is Dr. Austin Donovan. And my question for you is, who are you and how did you get into instructional design? Thank you, Ronald. It's nice to be here. Who am I? Well, that's a, a fairly complex question. I would say first and foremost, you know, I'm a daughter. I am a friend, a educator, a mother and a wife, um, which is what brought me into instructional design. When my children were diagnosed with autism, I started doing a lot of research into what types of supports they will get post-primary education as I had been a primary educator. I was less concerned about K through 12 and what opportunities were available for them on the other side. And at the time, the research was very lacking because the supports and the programs and the curriculum and the instructional techniques, they just weren't there. So I decided, well, if there isn't a path, I will create a path. <laughs> so that's what brought me here. I uh, actually changed my PhD from history to uh, curriculum and instructional design, focusing on uh, neurodivergent learners, particularly the field of autism, but all neurodivergent learners. And that kind of goes into inclusive education. It's a, it's a big one. So, Oh, very nice. I think a very important topic for a lot of people to focus on. And we're happy to have you. We also have, in addition to Austin, we have James Shoemate with us here. And James, same question for you. Who are you and how did you get into instructional design? Hello, Ronald. And hi, Austin. It's nice to be here too. My name is James Victor Shoemate. Like Austin says, who are you? That's a, that's a big question. I definitely am a person who is passionate about learning. I'm passionate about the world. I'm traveling. I'm passionate about music and cultures. I'm passionate about making sure that the people that I touch in my career have like a transformative experience with learning that they love it as much as I do. When I started in education, I started because I loved learning languages. I studied Japanese and French. And I noticed that I loved studying English, just reading and grammar. And so I got into teaching ESL. And once I finished my master's degree in education, I was fortunate enough to become an adjunct professor at Tacoma Community College. 
where I worked for four years teaching in the basic skills department. I taught all kinds of basic skills to people who are recent immigrants to the United States and uh, people who wanted to take the ESL program. It's really a wonderful experience that I had. And it showed me that in education, that there was going to be a change from the in-class model, from the in-class experience that we were used to, that we were going to be going online and that we were going to be, as educators, having to connect with our students online in a way that we never had done before. And when COVID happened, that was accelerated to the point where within a few months, I went from teaching entirely in person to entirely online. And I know for certain that's not a singular experience that's shared by many, many different people. And I could see the importance of instructional design and e-learning from that experience, focusing on the learner's uh, interaction uh, with the, um, the material online. And I wanted to make sure that my learners still could get a lot of value from the online model. And um, that kind of drove me into e-learning and instructional design. Yeah, I think another important component is the online aspect. I think everybody, while well, everyone was caught off guard by COVID, but especially the educators really had to change everything. All the processes that they once knew, they had to adjust and figure out how they could do that without being face-to-face. -face. And I think it was met with success by some, and some people are still trying to figure it out. But that's, uh, that's something that we focus on here at our college is um, we like to give students, you know, multiple methods to taking classes. So you can have a class, especially I also have a background in ESL and I've taught some classes at Clover Park in addition to working as a curriculum instructional designer. And they were, you know, two days they were in person and then two days they were online. So they were kind of split. And so I think it's important to have those skills that you spoke about. So Let's go ahead and move on to the next question here. Back to Austin. This question for you, how do you define instructional design for your relatives and friends who don't work in education? Because sometimes when I say, oh, I'm a instructional designer, they go, what does that mean? And so I'm just curious what you say when, when somebody asks you that question. Uh, this, is, this is actually a very wonderful question because of my degrees, my family and friends tend to think that I have a degree in autism because that's my area, heavy area of expertise and, and what I've studied. And I have to explain to them, there's more to it than that. What we do is design instruction for neurodivergent learners or what that is what I have specialized in because we all learn in different ways and education is heading in a direction where we're we're being more cognizant and thoughtful of how we're teaching our students we're shifting our mindset from being a teacher that stands in front of the classroom and talks at the students where the responsibility of learning is more on the teacher and the educator vices putting more autonomy into the hands of the student and to do so we have to rethink well how how are we executing that 
what are the different types of learners that we have sitting in our classroom and how can we make learning and engagement more accessible to them? Yeah, sure. And I like that you're focusing on the way that I think about it and the way that I've heard it before is the sage on the stage versus the guide on the side. And I also try to focus less on the lecturer up there just lecturing because I, I can remember, you know, classes that I took where it was just one person that was talking the whole time and I'm just sitting there writing notes. And uh, I felt that it was much more effective when I was in the class you know, doing stuff and there was interaction and, you know, collaboration and all that kind of good stuff. So absolutely. You know, I have two degrees in history and particularly once you get past the 400 level of higher education of history courses, the professor is the bearer of all knowledge. Right. That's really not a reality anymore. We have access at our fingertips on our phones. We carry them around in our pocket and you can you can get the dates and times and all that. So we really need to be rethinking. They're not the, the bearer of all knowledge anymore. They're creating an opportunity to develop critical thinking skills and what does it mean to you? So yeah, there's that. Absolutely. Very nice. And then same question for you, James, when somebody asks you, what do you do? What is your response? Yeah, that's a really good question. So instructional design to me, essentially, it means creating educational materials or training that is consistent and is efficient. And so to me, that involves um, knowing who the audience is. And this is something you have to do every time you create a course, in my mind. You have to know who the audience is. You have to be able to identify gaps to make sure that uh, when we create a training, it's even necessary to make a training. And from there, uh, we have to make sure we create learning objectives from goals that we have for our training creating instructional materials and implementing the learning. And then uh, at the end, collecting feedback so we can make meaningful adjustments to whatever we're giving learners so we can improve it. So instructional design is, to me, it's like a process. And then um, being able to apply that process to new curriculum, to be old curriculum or old courses that we, we improve and making sure that we focus on that learner, that they get the, the optimum um, use of their time and their energy so they can learn and they can develop an understanding or behavior that they need. I also think that the way that we would describe instructional design now might be a bit different from the past because mm -hmm. when we design instruction now, it's like creating clothing for our learners. Mm -hmm. tailored for them as opposed to creating some kind of generic course that will fit the needs of everyone, which we know is, is not, not reality. Yeah. So that kind of uh, brings us to our next question here. Back to you, Austin. What design or educational theories inform your work? Oh, for me specifically, I, I know I lean heavily towards uh, in inclusive education um, and that lends itself directly to learner-centered um, curriculum design because like um, James had has mentioned you're tailoring it to your students now because we are not the instructors it's best practice to 
offer a breadth of learning styles or um, content that is presented and delivered that that is accessible to different learning styles. So accessibility and inclusion really are uh, two big driving forces for myself because we we don't necessarily know as just the designers what types of learners we're going to have in our classrooms. And because inclusive education is really becoming the standard, which I, I think is wonderful, there is a breadth of research that talks about the importance and the significance of peer modeling for learners. But I do think that the, another side of this is character education. And that is a wonderful byproduct of inclusive education. So while we have these different types of learners in the room, typical and neurotypical or atypical, everyone benefits. What is it? A a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. So we all benefit from you know, compassion and grace and understanding when we are subjected to different types of learners, different perspectives. And it's so much deeper than diversity in education. Of course, we look at the different student backgrounds and experiences that they come with. Those are wonderful things, but also how they learn is incredibly insightful. And I cannot tell you how many times, just in the short time I've worked with James, he has said something. I'm like, you know, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but that is the beauty of perspective is we've taken the same concepts and content that we have learned about curriculum education and his perspective, which is informed by his life experiences and informed by um, his background and his learning type that opens up a whole new avenue of understanding for me. So you can take that microcosm of a concept and then apply it to a classroom. And then you've got some rich, thick synthesis happening here because all of those perspectives, like I said, it is a rising tide that that lifts all boats. We all benefit from that. So, yes, definitely inclusive education is is, is big for me for lots of reasons. Yeah, I like that. And I, I agree. I think that, you know, diversity is kind of the spice of life and necessary for us to grow because if you just have one perspective and you don't really branch out, then you kind of get stuck in that one way of thinking. And, and that's how, you know, bias is created. And, you know, you try oh, yeah. to find other people that have the same mindset as you and then you kind of get stuck in like an echo chamber so i like this idea of having a chance to interact with people that are different than you think differently from you because if you're able to have an open mind and you can communicate empathetically you can really grow as a human let's switch back over to james now same question for you what design or educational theories inform your work so when i think about education, I come from the experience of working in the classroom with with adults, and it is a different experience than pedagogy. We call it andragogy. And I have been fortunate enough to have a great education where we learn things like uh, Malcolm Knowles' Six Principles of Andragogy, about what is important for adult learners, what motivates them how they learn. And these are generalizations. I know they're not always true, but they're general principles that actually have helped me um, better serve my learners. Because once again, I think it's all about focusing on 
the learners in the classroom because they're the ones who are there to benefit. And so we, we need to make sure that everything we do goes back to them. And so other things beside concepts like that, I know Robert Gagne's uh, nine events of instruction mm -hmm. is also important. And like I said, these are not rules that I take as like sacred rules, but these are rules that are wonderful guides when creating instruction because it's very easy to lose focus when we have so much content uh, that we have to express and we have to convey. But if we work with these models, it helps us focus and then we can present something that is more digestible for our learners. And then we can make changes if, if things don't go, go the way that uh, is appropriate. We can make changes to them too. I'm using a lot of adult learning models in my teaching. Yeah. And I like that you brought up Gagne. We actually will be talking about Gagne. So depending on when you listen to this podcast and if you're in the generative AI course and you're all caught up, the next level in that course is on using generative AI to create a lesson plan. And then it, the lesson plan is on Gagne's nine events. And so I like that you brought that up. And actually speaking of generative AI, I'm curious about what y'all think about some of the trends that are happening in education now and what the future holds. So Austin, what do you think are some trends that you're keeping an eye on right now? And what do you think about what's gonna happen in the coming years? Certainly, we have been looking a lot at AI and how it impacts education. And and I can understand from an educator's point of view, the first initial <laughs> encounter with, you know, let's say chat GPT is, I'm never going to get my students to write <laughs> another paper independently ever again. But what I've recently been looking at for some of our professional development is, well, that no longer the assessment is to write the paper because they can just very easily <laughs> go to ChatGPT and ask it to write me a term paper on The Great Gatsby and make it 4,000 words, what, what have you. So how we are using it to help our students yeah. that that requires for us to one get a, a harness on it because as soon as we we master it right there's going to be another innovation or uh, that comes along with it but taking that type of technology and having it inform how we develop curriculum assess our students and how we don't just shield them from it because i saw something and they were like you tell any young adult any teenager not to do something and the first thing they're going to do is go do it so i think keeping students from it that's not the answer but rather figuring out how we can can use it so i i see ai as definitely the future and some things also how how it correlates and how we can use it with the open education resources and how they can work together so i think there's it's ex exciting this is some exciting stuff to come yeah area Sure. It's definitely an exciting time uh, to be working in an education. If you can take that perspective, I think you'll be okay. James, what are you excited about? That's what's happening now and what's going to happen potentially in the future. So I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, and um, I was at the perfect age when the internet became commonly available for people. And it was a very similar environment that I can remember. There were people who were afraid and there were people who were 
singing praises of a connected world uh, with with the internet. And as things materialize and uh, people become uh, comfortable with the technology, you can see both hopes and fears evolve. And, and I think something similar will happen with AI technology. I believe that it's going to be a net benefit for learners, but there are definitely things to be wary of. And maybe it will cause us to become more focused on what is really important with education. Is it going to be facts and information, or is it going to be critical thinking, finding quality OER materials? And is it going to be about learning how to think, or is it going to be learning um, what to think? I mean, that's going to be a, a very interesting future. Just for like kind of like more specific trends, um, I'm, I'm very hopeful about e-learning becoming personalized with the help of AI technology. The AI will be able to personalize the learning experience like with computer-based training where a learner based on their level, based on their, their background can have a very personalized experience, a unique experience. And that could be amazing when it comes to engagement to keep the learner's attention to make sure that we have high completion rates. Personalization, I think, is going to be one of the best parts of AI in education. And also a concept called gamification. Gamification is something that works on a, a natural instinct that we have, like a, a risk and reward sensation we have when we play games with family, when people gamble, they're able to uh, win to make progress. I think using the elements from gaming is going to make learning online with more appealing. And we can do that with AI. Mm -hmm. Now you're speaking my language with the gamification and the AI stuff. So I look forward to our opportunity here to work together and collaborate in those aspects. And the same goes with you, Austin. I want to thank you both for taking the time here to come on the podcast and, and introduce yourself uh, in your background and kind of your thoughts regarding or related to the world of education and instructional design. So if there's anything, any last thing you would like to say before we end the podcast, I will give you the chance now, Austin. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. These were really insightful questions, too. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's, this is a wonderful experience to be here at Clover Park Technical College. You have a wonderful team, and it's going to be exciting to grow together. We're excited to have you all. So one last time, thank you for coming on, and thank you for coming to work with us. That is going to wrap up this edition of Simon Says Educate. We will see you all next time. And that wraps up another insightful episode of Simon Says Educate. Thank you for joining us today as we delved into the fascinating world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable insights to inspire your own educational journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Remember to join us again next week as we continue to explore innovative strategies and share inspiring stories from the CPTC community. Until then, I'm Simon, your AI host, reminding you to never stop learning and growing. Take care, and see you next time on Simon Says Educate.